0: Hello, hello, lovely, lovely people. Now, today's episode is a real gem. And when I say gem, I mean it. Kristen Magnuson made the huge leap from television producer to jewellery designer and maker. Kristen's work in television on shows like GMTV and This Morning had her travelling around the world, working with some of the biggest names in showbiz and on hours and hours of live TV. But deep down, she knew something wasn't right. So she made the brave decision to leave it all behind. But this bravery paid off big time. She went on to have her own jewellery business and her work has even been worn by the royal family. Yes. When I was deciding if I should publish my own books, I asked Kristin for advice and her words helped me have the courage to press publish. Now, I hope her words will help you too. hello and welcome to the next chapter by ellie barker as i start my next chapter from journalist to author i speak to incredible people who have already started theirs in the hope it might help you think about your next chapter or at the very least you might just enjoy the conversation so here she is kristin magnuson hello kristin magnuson welcome to the next chapter with ellie barker Thank you, Ellie. I'm very happy to be here. It's an honour to have you as one of my very first guests, so thank you very much for trusting me with your story. Now, let's get straight in. Let's begin with your prologue. You, this is all about how you began in life. You were born in Sweden, then you came to England when you were nine years old. That's right, I did. And do you remember that time? I do. Um, It was quite scary going
1: from a country uh, to another country, not knowing the language, but
0: that age I think
1: it's quite uh quite easy to adjust
0: because you had an English education when you came over here so that was presumably you could speak English already as Swedish people always can
1: no I didn't know a word of English when I came I knew dog thank you and please because my mum had taught me the two most important words and obviously I love dogs so I had to know that um but apart from that I didn't know anything so when my fellow um junior threes had French I went down to the kindergarten and read Roger Rabbit with them to practice my English.
0: Goodness me so then you so you started your whole English education not being able to speak English?
1: Yes that's right.
0: Goodness me and so so you carried on and then you did move back to Sweden but you obviously liked it here a lot because you came back.
1: Yeah so basically um, I Went back to Sweden in the summers on my school holidays, and Sweden's a beautiful country in the summer. So, I wanted to go back and finish um, my education in Sweden, so after GCSEs. Um, and my dad said that I could if I did international baccalaureate. Um, so, I went to a school which actually had that, and I did a year of it, but then I realized that I missed my friends. Um, I miss my family. There were lots of things that I missed about England, so I came back here and did A levels instead.
0: And how was that doing so were you, what kind of student were you? Were you um like a focus student? Were you conscientious?
1: I was a very lazy student, Ellie. Um <laughs> I did everything I could to enjoy my life. Um, which kind of showed on my grace, but no, I got by.
0: Okay, so at this stage, did you have any idea what you wanted to do? No
1: idea at all. I think I, when I was younger, I wanted to be a hairdresser or a farmer or take over the family company. Uh, and then as I got older, I obviously didn't want to do any of those things. And then I think I quite, at a quite early age, I wanted to get into events, organizing events, but not like a passion like you had about becoming a journalist
0: no but you sort of that was you were sort of thinking about it now I mean much later on we're going to talk about in your acknowledgements we're going to talk about uh the people that influence you the most but just to bring that in a little bit here you were saying that your parents they were they they're such a huge influence on you and at the time they weren't pushy were they when you were growing up they were very supportive but they weren't as such pushy parents and they let you do really what you wanted to do
1: that's right um in my view think they were brilliant parents, they were very supportive, Um, I was allowed to do fairly much whatever I wanted, their motto was that as long as they could trust me I could do whatever I wanted to, which kind of made it worse in a sense because you wanted to prove yourself constantly and you wanted to show them what a good child I was really. So um, no, no pushness but freedom of life and always a helping hand
0: from them do you think like now when you see cause, i mean we talk about this but like you know when you see some parents who are they do like to sort of think they know best for their children and they might be trying to encourage them in certain ways but you're um certainly someone that you you don't necessarily believe in that do you you believe that that children should be able to decide what they want to do themselves i think they should
1: be able to be a bit more. i think they should be able to decide for themselves but i do feel like Parents should be there to support them, not necessarily tell them what to do because I don't think it ever works out then. I remember asking my dad when I did my degree what I should do and I had three options and he said, I, could advise, I can advise you but I can't tell you what to do because you'll come back. If, if it's the wrong choice, you will come back and you will blame me for it and the only one that you should be able to blame for anything in your life is yourself.
0: Yeah, it's quite right. What degree did you do?
1: I did PR, uh, public relations and information studies.
0: Okay. Okay, so let's then, so this takes us on to your first chapter. Now, this is a full disclosure to anyone who may be listening, to lovely listeners, is that I actually, this is where I kind of met you. We have known each other for a very long time and we met in the world of television on uh, the fabulous runner's desk at GMTV. And for anyone, I'm going to just say this now, for anyone who possibly has signed up to my, um, Ellie Barker writes to my newsletters and you get extracts from my diary of that time, I talk about, I talk about my very lovely friend Kay. Well, Kay for Kristen, this is Kay, who we had uh, curries at 3am. So yes, so I should probably say that, that we, we do go back quite a long way, don't we, Kristen? Kay. We do. Happy time, see eh, Ellie. Yeah, I've, never, I've, <laughs> ne- I've never forgotten that curry at three AM. But still, anyway, so you came in to GMTV. I remember I was already there. And I only learnt this about you recently. You you weren't necessarily coming into TV to work in TV. You hoped it might take you onto events. <laughs> I I did. I kind of slipped into
1: the TV world on a banana peel as so to speak. Um I had actually worked in TV in Sweden, and the reason I got that job was because the guy that owned that production company also owned an events company, and I had applied for the events company, and he said, we don't really have any events that we're doing at the moment. He did big, big events, and it was the wrong time of year for the kind of events that he did, but he was also a very, very big presenter in Sweden, so he made his own uh, programs, and he... Said that he had a job for me in, in um, his TV production company if I wanted to do that. So I thought, why not? So I did that, and then pretty much exactly the same thing happened in England with my TV career. I met a person who I met a person who was the general manager of this um, of GMTV at the time, and he told me about the runners program. And told me to apply. So I did. Really wanting to possibly do it as much as all the other runners that did it. So got the job and met some amazing people and enjoyed it.
0: You say that. So like you said about me. Yes, I always knew. Well, I I did always know what I wanted to do. But in some ways, I sometimes wonder, while that's good, it kind of limits you. Because you think, I've sort of always been on one track. Whereas for you, you're meeting different people. And then that just takes you to different places. So in many ways, it gives you lots more freedom.
1: Possibly. Um, I come from a very entrepreneurial family. Uh, I, the place where I was born in Sweden is a very, very entrepreneurial place. Um, and I think you just kind of take opportunities when they come. And for me, I've had some amazing opportunities come along Um in my life so and i have taken the ones that seems like good fun and obviously i say that i really didn't want to get into tv when you're i was actually 24 because i had worked in sweden before a while before then so um, i mean when you get an opportunity to become a runner at gmtv at 24 you just take it and so much fun and an experience i will never forget and i learned so much on so many different levels so very grateful
0: so yes yeah, so again for anyone who may not know so we were runners so go you describe what we did as runners by the way do you remember they we weren't runners we were program assistants which was like a, we posher, were. Ti- Sorry. <laughs> it was a posher title
1: <laughs> as a programmer um i can't even say the word as a program um, assistant, assistant slash runner <laughs> runner um as a program assistant we would do everything that no one else wanted to do, basically, is how I remember it, Ellie.
0: This is, this is uh, true, me too. So
1: we we got loads of milk in the middle of the night mm-hmm. on your trolley dolly. Um, we got newspapers five times a night, four times a night, that we had to go up and down the lift to the 22nd floor. That was probably the highlight going up, up to the 22nd floor because that was like a bit like a um, fair ride, wasn't it? Fair, yeah. I can't even think what they're called... Um, but uh, you know, yeah. it was like a little ride. At,
0: uh, and it took a few minutes off. You know, that was another few minutes off yeah. the fourteen-hour night shift. You could kind of yeah. doze a little bit as you went up like seven floors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's all coming have a little right, lie down on the newspapers. Yeah, um, yeah. We had lots and lots of cars. Made tea for the presenters and everybody else in the gallery. Some had coffee. Very interesting because most have tea.
0: Um, tea bag so, tea.
1: Yeah, tea bag, tea, definitely. Uh, scripts, I can't I can't even imagine how many scripts I printed out for everybody all the time. And as soon as you printed one set out, you had to print the next set out because they changed something. Um, yeah, so much. Um, going around half of London in... I remember when I started, and I think you said the same, Ellie, in, in your extracts that you wore very different kind of things and you came in looking slightly different when you started and then you went back to the lovely Ellie style which is amazing I came in with my high boots my jeans um and then I realized I've never worn a pair of trainers in my life I think um, not that I'm lazy but uh I just they just didn't see me, I thought. And then as soon as I started as a runner, that's when I got a pair of trains. Because there was no way that you could run around half of London getting every prop under the earth, which were the most, like, bizarre things that they wanted. And you had to get all these props within two hours. And it was, like, it was all spread out all over London. And there was no way that you were going to do it. So it was like... Um, challenge wasn't it it was like annika rice and her little challenges that she
0: did do you remember that i when you were saying that just like you'd get this thing like somebody would come up on a say so you'd be finishing your shift and you've been going from like nine till eight this is during the day to about 8 p.m and then at about five o'clock when it was getting quite busy somebody would come along and say could you find a pink daffodil uh it, and we need it for tomorrow morning and you're like where like I don't know and could it be plastic and could it have three leaves and ideally could it come in a matching vase and then like and it was before because it, it was the olden days and we weren't sort of quite so there wasn't so, there was the internet but it, wasn't it was so the yellow pages yeah, it was the yellow out pages. The, we're like uh, fl- ringing the floor said, have you got a pink daffodil and then it would turn out there would be one but it would be on the other side of London and we'd have to get the tube and then you'd oh my goodness and then you'd be like hot and bothered and then you'd come back finally and be so proud you got your pink daffodil and then they're saying oh yeah we've dropped that item and actually could you go and get this make it i'm feeling ill as you say this (laughs) memories we're getting flashbacks we're getting flashbacks (laughs) anyway so that's life as a runner so but like you say it does teach you so much live television so you went on then you carried on at GMTV, and you worked on showbiz. Did you? I mean, most people say that's probably one of the desks, the most exciting desks you would want to work on. Did you enjoy your time on the showbiz desk? Um,
1: no, I didn't. I I am so not a showbiz person. Ellie. I am. I I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to admit it, but I really probably wasn't the best person for TV. I'm not a showbiz person. I have no idea who any of the showbiz people are. We dealt a lot with um soap people. I didn't watch soaps. We dealt a lot with the new pop people, didn't listen to new pop. Uh so I was awful. Um and yeah, I just didn't fit in there at all. So did I you meet a lot
0: did you meet anyone, any famous person that you thought, wow, I'm really glad I met you. And I honestly can't
1: remember anyone from the showbiz that I met. I've met amazing people like both colleagues and celebrities throughout my time in tv but i don't think i can remember anyone from the showbiz desk, which is awful
0: it's sorry not, it's not awful at all but you then went on to work with the fabulous richard arnold you're on pick <laughs> of, on pick of the day pick of the day i
1: think i uh I, think I did four months solidly every single day monday to friday pick of the day and obviously the weekend Um uh, and i had to kind of do between 4 and 10, four and 9, those were the hours, and it was terrestrial TV at that time, so it was uh, BBC One to Channel 5, and I think I knew every single program that was on. I remember telling a colleague of ours that he could test me, and honestly, he was like, what's on at Wednesday at 4.30, and I'd be able to tell him. Okay. So, yeah, uh, and then I... I know I keep on saying I had enough of that but I did have enough of that I it felt those four months probably felt like four years and I've got to say Richard Arnold was brilliant because he really could make any uh, some of the clips that we got sent in so basically um I had to phone for clips for so he could talk about them and then show a clip again about lots of it was soaps obviously and um Some of the clips that we got in were awful. And you would just think that why do you want to promote this part of the program? Anyway, thanks to um, Richard Arnold, I managed to do quite well on that desk. And um, so then they decided that I was allowed to move to where I wanted to go, which was Lorraine.
0: So you worked on Lorraine and you worked on Entertainment Today?
1: Yes, I worked on Lorraine. The Entertainment Today was just starting... And it was Jenny Faulkner and Ben. um, And it was a Friday. It was Lorraine slot on a Friday. And it was actually very good. But I think I did two or three weeks with them. And then I got glandular fever.
0: Yeah, okay. So you were off for a long time then, weren't you?
1: I was off. I was off for nearly three months with my glandular fever. It really hit me hard. And then when I came back, I think I only... I was so tired as soon as I started working again I just kind of worked and worked and then I was back on the rain. Mm.
0: Do you think though like also joking aside those at the hours that we used to do and you used to do and to be often you would be getting up at such ridiculous times and you don't actually sleep when you're waiting for that alarm to go off do you think all of that the kind of lifestyle because because it is a grueling lifestyle isn't it without sounding too moany about it but if you like your sleep it's not an industry for, for you really is it but do you think all of that had a had an effect and you were then you were really poorly
1: oh absolutely I think um you know the hours the pressure super diligent I, I worked with some amazing people and I you know our color runners or program assistants um like yourself we were you know we were all very eager we were all very good we Took it all very seriously, and we wanted to do our best. And to do our best, we had to put in lots of hours. And you know, there were times when when my family said, "Oh, we've got a big family dinner on a Tuesday, on a Sunday," and I was like, "I can't come because I've got to edit." And they were like, "Well, it's Sunday," and I was like, "Well, I've got to edit." And my dad was like, "Well, life is a bit more important than work at times," and this is and I but there were no other edit times so I had to go in on a Sunday and edit and so you know maybe when you were older you wouldn't take necessarily all of the of the nonsense that you were given as a young person starting in TV because there's a lot of um, they know that everybody wants that job so we were told to do many things that maybe a lot of people wouldn't necessarily accept now um, and and Yeah, I think definitely the pressure of the job, the long hours and my diligence was definitely part of me getting glandular fever and having it for such a long time. And I think it was kind of a little me, in a way, saying to myself that I've had enough, I need to get out of here and the only way to get out of here is by becoming ill. Mm,
0: That's terrible, really. But I can totally understand because also, yes, there is very much of, well, was very much of philosophy that you know if you're not going to do this job somebody else will and so you're you always start off on that foot don't you that you sort of have to feel grateful and it is an amazing you know i still work in the television industry and i love it um but yes i'm not sure that it is quite like that today which is which is a good thing which is a good thing so you then moved on though to this morning which some would say would be again what a fabulous place you know you've worked on the amazing shows and it is an amazing show and you were there you were a researcher on their live shows
1: um yeah so I after I got my glandular fever I think I came back and then I realized that GMTV wasn't for me so I I think I was signed three times before I actually left and the bosses were brilliant and they kept on saying to me look what can we do for you and things like that so they were brilliant and they were very nice and caring and then in the end I left because I realized that no I need to get out of here to get better and I took some time out I, think I went to Sweden for a bit and then I came back and then my friend who was working for this morning she said why don't you come and work for this morning um we need a freelancer to fill and then you can see if it's tv that you want to get out of or if it was just GMTV that you need to get out of so I did freelance two weeks for her and then there was a a job that came up as my two weeks were up, and they offered me the job as a researcher for the live shows. I did that, and I think I did that for about a year. and then did you again, like that?
0: Did you enjoy working on the live shows?
1: I did, but you know again, it's very much um, it's very much again items. we there was three of us doing one program, so there was a producer, assistant producer, and a researcher. And as a researcher, you kind of go back a little bit like a runner because all of a sudden there will be an item and they will ask you to get 400. I think it was either mini drive. It was um, the new taxi driver program that was coming out. And I think mini driver was in it. I can't remember. Anyway, they needed something like 150 minis. And I had to sort that out within a four (laughs) hour hour. An hour. But, yeah.
0: And you did um, lots of traveling as well. You did you did a lot of the traveling items, didn't you? And the cooking Yeah, so for a year,
1: I decided that I wanted to... Well, no, I didn't decide. I always wanted to uh, work on specials and features, which is basically when you do the small um, film sections that they put in between the live show. Um, and an opportunity came up there because there was a girl on that side that wanted to do live TV. So we swapped places and... Uh, and I loved specials and um, features department. You got to meet some amazing people, um, lots of travelling, lots of cookery shows. Um.
0: But you liked working with people who, on the whole, you, like you say, you weren't sort of attracted to the showbiz side of it all. You liked working with, I say normal people, but the normal people are the, always the extraordinary people, aren't they? Yeah. So I, I preferred
1: working with the... People who had done something interesting or done something worthwhile or done something, even things like naughty animals. I did a series with Dr. Scott about training animals to behave and just seeing those people and, yeah, just coming into people's homes and seeing how they lived and what they did. And it's just interesting to see what goes on in other people's homes and to see that we're all the same really Mm,
0: we are so let's move on now to your next chapter so you decided well you wanted to have a change and you moved to america you moved to la
1: i did so um after probably four years on the showbiz desk i mean sorry probably after four years on the special and features desk at this morning I a friend of mine had been out to LA and I had visited her and I realised, oh my god, I love the sun, I really want to go out and live here as well, so um, I moved out. I got a job for BBC World while doing Dancing with the Stars, um, however, I had a visa so I could work for an English company, which I thought the BBC was, but they weren't, so um, I had the wrong visa and the day before I was supposed to start, they phoned me up and said, no, you can't, you can't do it. So I had a three-month break in um, LA uh, doing Pilates yoga and just um, having a really nice life for, for a change, which, um, well, not for a change, but I had a very nice time in Los Angeles. So, and then I came back to the UK and I started freelancing again and realized that, no, really don't want to be in TV anymore. I just need to get out of here. Um, so, and this is really, really shallow, but I wanted to do something where I could spend a year in the sun. And since I was 15, I always wanted to live somewhere where it was sunshine, twenty, like 12 months a year. And so I decided, right, this is it. This is what I'm going to do it. So... I wanted to do either nutrition or jewellery, and jewellery had actually been one of my things that I possibly wanted to study when I did my degree, so I decided that, right, I'm going to do this, looked at all the different schools, and I found one in California, and I thought, brilliant, going to be sunshine and studying at the same time.
0: What's well, love to love? I know,
1: and you know, education, you can't go wrong with it. But that's another thing that my dad always told me, that, you know, you can't go wrong with education. You can never have too much education. So I felt going to Los... Oh, sorry. I felt like going to California, studying, was... That was fine. It, was, it wasn't It was running away. It wasn't, you know, going on a holiday, being lazy or whatever, or traveling and seeing other things. It was actually useful and an education. So packed up my bags, uh, rented my flat out and moved to California.
0: Don't you think it's amazing that you were so, you'd had this sort of all this time in television and you nearly were going to carry on working in television there. Then just because of the wrong visa, you might not have had that time off. And then you may, and then I suppose I'm guessing that you felt how you felt, you felt so much better. So then you think, hang on, I should be doing something different but it it just goes to show these things things that you think have gone wrong actually are make you get on the right track
1: oh absolutely and I'm the biggest believer in that I really do believe in things like that and um, my dad had always said that when I got my glandular fever he said it was me running into a wall and he said once you've done that you should never go back to the job that that happened and so when I was up this morning he said Kristen I wasn't talking about just GMTV I was talking about the profession so I I had him on my side and I had you know they were very supportive yet again and but I absolutely believe in that when you think that something's going wrong it's happened for a reason and you're supposed to move on so when I got to California to this school and I had no idea about it it's um, GIA gemological it's uh, the gemological institute of America
0: sounds good to and- me yeah and it
1: it's where everybody so all the big jewelry houses send their children to see how jewelry is made and decide and everything else not that they will necessarily sit at a bench but they need to know how it's done and it is like creme de la creme of the jewelry schools so i got super lucky and um met some amazing people and had the best teaching and really enjoyed for the first time I really enjoyed what I was studying and I felt I was good at it and I yeah it it just fit like my friend said it fit like a glove
0: did you ever before have any interest in jewelry
1: so like I said I when I did my degrees like when I went to my dad that time and asked him about what he would suggest my three options were to do jewellery in Italy or, so hospitality in Switzerland or public relations and information studies in Washington DC. So, um, I had thought about it and I but I had never touched any tools to make a piece of jewellery I hadn't made a piece of jewellery, I had no idea about the processes and I just love jewellery and I think this this is part of me, the things that I So I've doubled in becoming a personal trainer, and I think that's because I actually want a personal trainer. I've doubled in nutrition, and I think that's because I actually want a nutritionist and a chef to cook for me. And obviously, I went to become a jeweler because I love jewelry, and I think that, oh, if I can make it myself, I can have more. Um, So maybe I just go down the career paths of what i actually like and maybe i wanted to do events because i actually quite liked to party or did in the times that we were allowed to Ellie, really.
0: well i know i know we'll do it again but um but it goes to show doesn't it you do it's such a cliche but to find something sometimes i think it's so easy you think you have to keep thinking what shall i do what shall i do i don't know what to do but actually it starts with just what do you love and it's as simple as that and only you know what you love but it is possible to do something with what you love absolutely and I
1: think you know that's a there's a lot of very wise people that say do what you love and you won't work for another day in your life and that's very very true saying that I do what I love and uh sometimes it feels like I really am doing lots and lots of work especially when I have to clean up casts and just polishing stuff and you know filing away and my hands get blistered and my nails go really short and my hands are black um so you know, I do it for the love, for sure.
0: Because you came back from America and then you set up... Um, you, did you ever think about working for somebody else? Or did you know by this stage you wanted to work for yourself?
1: So, I I think I always wanted to work for myself. Like I say, came from a very entrepreneurial background where everything was possible. Um, I did... I, when I finished in Carlsbad, I actually went six weeks that I was allowed to work in the States. So I stayed there for six weeks and worked for an amazing guy who had a very, very high-end jewelry shop there. And I did a lot of cap for him and I did a lot of selling and I saw the kind of clientele and I saw the kind of pieces that you should... And also like um, just the finishes to the jewelry and how you know it had to be immaculate and everything else so that was very good schooling but and then he did ask if I wanted to stay and we did go and talk to a lawyer about me getting a green card or at least a visa to stay and work with him but then again I had this pool and I wanted to get back to London and so I obviously love London because I keep on wanting to come back um so I decided to it was just black in front of me and I couldn't see anything and I just thought I need to get back to England to be able to see what I could make of this and being here isn't going to be that. So I went back to England and I remember looking, I did start looking for jobs and the jobs at entry level were just, I, I just started crying when I saw what they paid and what you had to do and yeah and I remember phoning my mum and just being like oh my god I can't believe it and it was a time when tv had just um got rid of a lot of people um so all my friends were going for the same jobs and I'm not very good at competing so um I didn't want to go back to the tv world and obviously then I got I did get scared at this point um and I just thought oh my god I'm not gonna be able to work again I'm I've literally left TV and all my friends have carried on and I'm not going to be able to go for the same jobs. I don't want to compete with my friends because that's not what I want to do with my friends. Um, and then... But also, I can't survive on what the jewelry shops are, are telling me that I or I couldn't survive on the wages that they would give me. And also, I didn't want to go in and polish. And also, you know, I'm, I was... I'm a very insecure person. I, I doubt myself constantly, and um, so I just thought I'm not going to be good enough for anybody anyway. So I, I then I did actually go for a job, and I got to the third interview for it, and it was in this building. It's a really strange story. So basically, went for a job, got to the third interview. It was in a building in Hatton Garden. And then I got an email from them and it said, Thank you so much. Uh, however, we've decided we're not going to uh, apply for this job anymore. So it was a CAD job, so computer aided design where you build jewelry on the computer. And I was like, Fine. And then I had met, for some bizarre reason, I had met someone that told me about this. Um, it's a newsletter. Okay. So, it was, um, so I was told about this newsletter and I went on it and there was a studio for um, rent. So I looked at it and it was exactly the same address as this man that I had applied for a job with. And I went along and I met two people that interviewed me to see if they would have me in their studio together with them. And I moved in two days later and it was the best thing I've ever done. The people that I got to work with so it wasn't the man that I had gone for the job with but it was in the same building and he was a very high-end uh jeweler so the guys that I got to work with were I I got to work with some amazing setters that did lots and lots of stuff for Bond Street I got to work with an amazing CAD guy who again does lots and lots of things for Bond Street people Um, There's an amazing mounter who are the people that actually put together the dory and make the dory before it goes to the setting. Um, And they were all really, really helpful. I started to work with the CAD guy two days a week, and then I did my own things for a bit. And then he needed someone full time. And, you know, I came back to do my dream. And as I said to him, he wasn't my dream. So I left and he got someone else in. And then I started working for someone else. Um, so, so I started working for someone else who had like a casting company. So we did like castings, and basically we did everything from designing to making the jewelry to them. So we did finish to or finish or start to finish. But again, I just felt no. I just want to work for myself. I just I I can do this. I want to work for myself. So.
0: So first of all, let me just, okay, let me just go back a second. So when you didn't get that job, again, this is a bit like the visa, you didn't get something, but then it leads you to where you are meant to be, even when you don't know that's where you're meant to be.
1: You're so wise, Ellie, yes, absolutely correct.
0: It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. So, but then, so when you're deciding you're going to set up, so you started Kristen M, your brand, and then you did something which... Every time I hear this story, I still find it amazing. Be prepared for this. You did something which completely changed everything. What did you do?
1: So I had in school, in school we had to do all of the different ways of making jewelry. So one of them was casting from nature. So I had basically picked up this acorn and made a acorn necklace of it. And when I got back and so I had this necklace and I wore it and when I got back to the UK um, a lot of my friends said oh that's a really beautiful necklace so I made a casting of it and decided to and I actually got in there's a place in, in Sweden called ten, and they're very big on acorns and it's a very old traditional shop a bit like Liberty and I got my acorns in there so And then a year into my Kristen M, when I was still kind of just sitting there, mainly designing, not selling anything, um, I read in the papers that Kate Middleton, am I allowed to say this?
0: I think you are. I'll I'll check with my lawyers, but I think you are. Okay. Um, So basically, I
1: uh, read in the papers that Kate Middleton's flag, or what's it called, Uh, coat of arms, had acorns on it. So I was like, ah. I shall send um, Kate Middleton one of my little necklaces, and at that time it, they were just getting married. I think, um, so you weren't allowed to you weren't allowed to send the palace anything. So I went off the idea for a bit, and then it, there was an article about her parents' company, a party company, being. Um, it, it was in the paper. So I just thought, I'm going to send the uh, acorn to her parents. And it was just coming up to their anniversary. So I sent um, an acorn, but a little cheeky letter to her mother. And this was in April, because it was their anniversary. So I sent it as a first anniversary present to her. And then didn't see her wear it. So I was like, right, that's it. Kate's off my Christmas card list. I'm not sending any more cards to her. And... Um, completely completely forgot about it and then one day well one day um in june very beautiful day wimbledon final um my friends were asking if i was watching wimbledon and i was like no i know who's gonna win and it's beautiful so i'm staying outside um however in the evening um i sat down and i read the papers because i needed to be able to talk about this and uh, know the news and everything else And all of a sudden, I'm like, and at this point, I had been in Hatton Garden with lots of jewellery designers for a year, so I knew quite a lot of designers, and I knew their style, and I knew their pieces. And I looked at Kate Middleton, who had been photographed with her sister, Pippa, uh, for the final, and I thought, I recognise that necklace, and I zoom in on the necklace, and I'm like, oh, that's my necklace! And I did a little dance. I live on my own. So I did a little dance on my own. I'm really, really bad at self-promoting myself. So I was, I said, I can't tell anybody. So I wrote an email to my parents and my brother and my sister saying, oh my God, look at this. How exciting is this? And then there was a blogger in um, the States who is called What Kate Wall. And she... So in the end, I did do something that I had never done before and I didn't think I would ever do. But there was a piece in, I think it was the Daily Mail, and it said, Kate recycles her Joseph outfit. So I took that article and I put on Facebook, um, who cares about that she recycles a Joseph outfit when she's wearing a Christine M. acorn necklace? And so all my friends on Facebook were being quite supportive and lovely and da da da, da. And there was another girl who I'd gone to GIA with in Carlsbad who had seen this article from What Kate Wore, and they didn't know where the necklace was from. And she was like, no one knows where this necklace is from. So my friend sent her my contact details, and throughout the night, everybody was trying to or she was contacting me and um, she put my details up on her and or her website and the next day my computer was just going bling bling, bling 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 so every time I answered an email I would get another three emails coming in at least so
0: and and how long did it take for you to work through all those orders can I just say Uh,
1: Maybe if you could uh, reveal this, please, uh, Kristina. It was was like an acorn uh, orchard in my workshop, and I, like we said about GMTB working all hours. This was working all hours, but for you know the proper course. I was working for myself. I was doing it. I was doing it for the love. It had to be perfect. I definitely five weeks solid, solid working to the point where my fingers were bleeding. My tears were running down my cheeks because I was so tired, I couldn't speak to anybody. my website was awful, so I was trying to make my website better at the time as well. Um, anyone that gave me any advice, I was just shouting at them, "What do you No 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 I wouldn't take any advice um, yeah it was it was uh, it was an interesting time, and I'm very grateful for that time. saying that, I probably didn't use it to the fullest because. I didn't want to seem tacky. I didn't want to use that. Uh, I didn't want to use it to my advantage. At that time, I was just very grateful that it had happened. And I mean, most of my um, orders came from America, Canada, and Australia. Not very many from England. So, but it was a. Uh, it was definitely a complete. I couldn't have asked for a better marketing.
0: But it goes to show. Look, when you were just saying earlier, and this is what I find so fascinating: is that, like you were saying, you know, you you feel or you felt insecure, you know, and in, in the times in television, it just didn't feel right. Uh, you know, confidence—it's a real issue for all of us. It really is. But there you go. Look, you were doing something that you loved and you believed in it, and then suddenly, I mean, for you to send that like you did—that was really brave. So for you to do something like that it goes to show if you are doing something you believe in suddenly you can find this like superpower from somewhere
1: well if that's true but I don't think I believed at myself um at that time or I don't think I believed in myself at that time um I don't know why I sent it out because I remember a load of colleagues just said to me that's really stupid why did you do that and I was like I work in tv I, this is what they used to do they used to send us things and just to see if it could get on there so I think you know again it all I believe that all pieces of life actually fits in so had I not worked in tv I would definitely not have done that because I wouldn't know how I I also remember being in tv and you know we had people calling us up being really nervous and everything else and I was just like but I'm just a little you know, runner, I'm just a little researcher, I'm just a producer, I'm, I'm nothing really, and they're nervous speaking to me, so in the same sense, I remember what I was, what my, the people that used to call us up, how nervous they were, and how I didn't feel like I was anything when I was working in TV, but they obviously thought that I was this great producer, this is when I got up to the producer level, when people, you know, they. it's very funny, they when you are a TV producer, they talk to you very differently, and they give you lots and lots of respect, and they, they're very impressed with the job that you do, but it's not, it's not that impressive, to be honest. Um, so I just remember all these people being very kind of um, nervous talking to me, and I was like, but I'm just a person. So I remember when I did send the piece of jewellery off, I was like, but they're just normal people, and either it's going to work or it's not going to work, but it was, I think it cost me £60 to send it, and I cannot tell you what a return I got on those £60. And um, saying that, I don't, at that stage, I don't think I believed in myself. Um, My first time ever that I had to start believing in myself was made my first engagement ring for a person, And it was the friends of a friend, and it was, it was a beautiful ring, but I was so used to saying to everybody, because I suppose I wanted to protect myself, so I told everybody how bad I was at everything, how, I remember going out filming and saying, yeah, no, I didn't get that shot, or I didn't get that bit of the story, or, I always put myself down all the time, Um, and then... I had made this engagement ring for this lovely girl, and it was her 30th, and it was my she had a joint party together with my friend who had introduced us, and she wore her engagement ring. So it was kind of an engagement party as well as a birthday party, and everybody came up to me and went, oh my God, Rebecca's ring is absolutely beautiful, and I couldn't say, oh no, it's not, it's horrendous, so I had to say, thank you, it is beautiful, isn't it? And it's the first time in my life that I had to say something like that, or I did say something like that. And I felt so awkward, but it was the best lesson in my life. And since then, I, you know, my confidence has completely changed. I'm not this very insecure person. I, I still doubt myself. We all doubt ourselves at times. And I still worry that it's not good enough every time I have a commission I see you know I wake up during the night and think oh my god is there a scratch on it is it not what they want I I'm so nervous every time someone comes and picks their pieces up but you so far touch wood I have not had a complaint so I'm 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 all right and also I realise that when I have the funny thing is I have all these really really um sometimes slightly arrogant very very high up men coming to see me, buying engagement rings for their wives. And when we start talking about diners and things like that, I can see them kind of melting, sweating, getting really nervous, not knowing what they want, asking me, like, what do you think? Do you think the right thing?" And just seeing how insecure they are. So, I mean, we're all insecure, and that's when my security really comes in, because I have to be secure, and I have to be the person holding the hand at that point and saying, yep, yeah, this is a beautiful stone, this is a great design, I think she will love it, and we work through it. So um, yeah, I've learned a lot about believing in myself.
0: So just I just want to finish off on this, when you say about your jewellery, when you started doing your jewellery and making your jewellery, what did you love about it? There's
1: loads of things that I love about making jewellery. First of all, it's, you have a piece of metal that looks like horrible, it's dirty, it's disgusting, it's it's just a piece of metal literally and then you're able to create this beautiful thing usually with the help of amazing stones and gems and diamonds and everything else and um and then you give it a final polish and it's just the most beautiful little thing that you're holding in your hand that you know that you've created for someone so in tv we used to make Programs for millions of people. I never gave me any joy whatsoever. I never watched any of my BTS that I made. I never watched one program that I made. In jewelry, you have one guy, one person coming to you, and you spend so much time. You get to know them, and sometimes you get to, you know, the process is very different. But sometimes you get to know both people, couples, or. But I work so closely with my customers as well that we build up a nice relationship and at the end of it we'll both actually say to each other "But, oh I'm really going to miss this and we I've kept in touch with a lot of my clients that I never knew or had never met or anything and because you work really close together they need to trust me so I think that's the nicest part that I'm actually making something, this is when I make engagement rings, so basically I'm making something for someone to give to the one that he loves the most, and I've had thank you cards and thank you text messages from um, girls that I've never met in my life, because they're just like, oh my god, I absolutely love it, so you make this one person really, really happy, and that's just really nice, That's my, I think that's my favourite part of it, but then, you know, I, I'm like a girl in a sweet shop looking at gems, looking at diamonds. It's, it's, I know it sounds really, really shallow, but it's so nice to look at these raw materials that have been made into these beautiful things. And you just, it's, all, it's all raw materials that become these beautiful gems. And so it's the earth making these by the help of a little bit of help manufacturing.
0: Okay, so look, we're going to move on to be continued, Kristen Magnuson. Uh, what would you like your next chapter to be? If you do want a next chapter, you know, how would you like your story to continue?
1: Oh, Ellie, like I say, I love doing new things. I I do believe that everything I do lead on to something else. Um, I am in the process of thinking what else I can do. Either taking my jewellery Kristen m and making it into something else or building on that or doing something completely different again so i've actually taken the opportunity of lockdown um to do lots of different courses on different subjects to see if there's anything that i want to um go into interestingly enough i am Uh, studying nutrition at the moment together with business studies and everything else so who knows I might become a nutritionist next time always keep on doing jewellery I will always keep on doing jewellery maybe I'll do it slightly differently so I will design more and get people to make it for me I mean I work with some of the best I would say jewellers in London and they are amazing so why would I not carry on Designing it, and they can make it and set it for me and finish the product, and then.
0: And you say you'd like a business partner? Yeah, for my next business, I would definitely have a business
1: partner. I I always thought that I wanted to work on my own, make all my own decisions, and everything else. Saying that, ten years down the line, I would like a business partner. It's hard doing everything on your own. It's hard. Doing your website, doing your marketing, doing all the customer relations, doing all the designs, actually making the jewelry. It's just ideas. It would just be nice to work with someone who had different ideas, who had different skills. I see all these people in Hudson Garden who don't want to work with people because they're scared that they will be outshined. I'm not a believer in that. I believe in you work with people that can build you up and you can build them up rather than the other way
0: around if that makes any sense. It makes absolute sense. Uh, abs- yeah, two minds often are greater than one, as we learned on that runner's desk when we were looking for those pink daffodils. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, so now, your acknowledgements. Who would you like to thank and who would you say has inspired you the most?
1: So many people. And like most people, I think, uh, you would always go back to your parents. I had an amazing dad, sadly passed away a couple of years ago, but he, he was a very wise man. He made sense he was very calm and I learned so much from him in terms of just worldliness and everything else and then I have a mum who is super strong uh, amazing powerful woman who just keeps on saying just do it you can do it just do it do it don't be scared just do it Um, so those two you know siblings amazing they've always believed in me maybe not thought that I was going to be the best but they've just given me everything that yeah I've just had lots of support from them and my brother who you know sibling rivalry brilliant because then I want to show him that I can do things that he can't and then I've got my sister who's the most supportive person in the world and who just pushes me in the right direction Um, and obviously friends for the jewellery I definitely want to thank you know all the amazing boys that I work with in the workshop who help me daily Yeah, mainly parents, friends, friends, supportive friends, like you say, elite, amazing friends like yourself, and just people who, you know, clap at you to people who buy your jewelry, people who tell other people, like, for example, you with your books now, people that will buy them, people who tell other people to buy them, to listen to your podcast. I mean, just the word of mouth is an amazing source of helping out and everything else. So,
0: because you said as well, something which I've learned this, and which was one of my biggest surprises, is sometimes when you say about friends or it's just people you know or you know you've come across, but then sometimes they're the most supportive people, and you would never expect that.
1: Yeah, so I think I said to you in um, earlier that it's amazing to see who actually do some people or some friends that you thought were going to be the most supportive not so supportive and then some friends that you don't really even know that well or colleaguey kind of friend or not you know not on the same level like some really really good friends amazing and they push you and they help you and they get you into different places and so yeah absolutely it's definitely a surprise to see and even when kate Middleton wore her necklace it was amazing to see who congratulated me and who was slightly you anyway, you know taken aback jealous with my success
0: and finally all through this when would you say was the time you felt the most afraid that oh my goodness i've got to just keep going now and I don't know how to keep going, but I've got to keep going. When would you say that was? The, the,
1: the first time was definitely when I got back from California and I didn't have a job and I came back to absolutely nothing. I'd left a career behind me in TV and I didn't know anyone in the jewellery industry, so I couldn't even ask for help there. So that was fairly scary. And then I got extremely lucky, as I said, and Kate wore... The necklace that i had made her within a year of me being in the um, industry so obviously that got a really good hit and i got some amazing commissions after that and met some really good customers who were very loyal and coming back um probably four or five years after so maybe three years ago four years ago i went down on a low again i you know things were going slowly so you start worrying and you realise that there's so many designers out there, there's so many makers out there, there's no way that I can carry on and do what I do for a living and actually, you know, yeah, to actually survive on what I do. But so far, it's all been good.
0: How did you get yourself through when you were thinking that, hang on, look, there's so many designers, there's so many jewellery makers, how did you keep yourself going? I think
1: it's just the commissions, to be honest. You, You get you get customers coming in and they're lovely and they're loyal and you know you work with these amazing happy grateful people and it's a support of customers and sometimes Ellie, sometimes you just have to push through even though you don't want to push through and this is one thing that I can do I love starting things and I love like doing the planning and I love setting things up and everything else a lot of people aren't very good at finishing things I'm I'm a Taurus, and I am stubborn and I will finish what I've started so I think that's where a lot of people would say it's a weak point I think it's a strong point because it will get me to finish in the end and I think that's important so I think just my stubbornness gets me through at times
0: well I can well imagine that I can well imagine so finally very finally what would you say to someone who is thinking at the moment who's listened to this and does, they're just thinking look I need to do something different be it a hobby be it a new job be it a, you've countries they've kind of something is getting in their way they can't make that first step or they can't even decide what they do want to do what would you say to them
1: well like I said to you Ellie um just do it just do it believe in yourself and do it no one else is going to believe in you you know your talents you know your strengths and even though you don't think that they're there yet they are and do it before you think you're ready because you're never ever going to be ready and before you are ready you're going to be really insecure but once you've thrown yourself into the deep end you've got to be secure you've got to make it because you've kind of thrown yourself out there so if you're anything like me and you're stubborn and you want to prove people wrong that don't necessarily believe in you 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 will do brilliantly because you will just get out there and and smash
0: it christian magnuson thank you for being such an amazing guest on the next chapter with ellie barker
1: ellie barker thank you so much for having me i've loved every minute of our chat and i'm so lucky to have you
0: So there she is, Kristin Magnuson. I told you she was a gem, didn't I? What did you take from that? I took do it before you think you're ready because you are never ever going to really feel ready. Well, I definitely know that feeling. Do you? I wouldn't be surprised if you do, because I definitely do. Now, you can see Kristen's fabulous collection at kristinm.co.uk and she's on Instagram as M. London jewelry You can keep in touch with me at elliebarkerwrites.com. I would love to know what you're up to. And if you're starting or thinking about your next chapter, I know Kristen would love to know about it all too. I'm going to say the usual. If you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast, then that would be just marvellous. And in the meantime, remember, don't wait until you feel ready because this may never happen. Speak soon.